0: Hello, my name is Paul Washer and we're back once again for Missions Monday. And normally I would be the one asking him questions, but today it's going to be reversed and he's going to be asking me questions, especially about the family as it pertains to missions.
1: Our missionary in Asia, one of them, Elijah, he he referenced during COVID he was having to stay at home more than normal. Right. But what a blessing that had been to family. And then he made mm-hmm. this comment, and I wanted to hear what you had to say about it. He said, "I appreciate the biblical value heart cry holds that the ministry that the family comes first in our ministry." So, mm-hmm. uh, do you agree with that that statement? Family comes first in ministry.
0: Well, I'm I'm really glad that he put it that way uh, because um, it provides us with kind of an open door to really, really discuss the manner. You know, mm-hmm. we can turn things into cliches yeah. that mean nothing. You know, family comes first and then you come back with the question. Well, I thought God comes first, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you go back and forth on this. And so let's just look at it from what I believe is a is a biblical perspective. Mm-hmm. And first of all, let's just look in First Timothy okay. and we'll go there. First Timothy, uh, chapter three uh, talking about overseers, it says. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? So there's one way in which we can say family comes first, in this way. If if a man is not caring for his wife biblically, not caring for his children biblically, primary, you know, are Ephesians five passages, Ephesians six. Um, and he's not managing his own household, he's not working with his wife to manage his household, then he's disqualified for the ministry.
1: It
0: it doesn't matter if he's the greatest preacher in the world. It doesn't matter. Even his devotion to the mission field, he is simply disqualified. One of the things people do not recognize um, is that 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus 1, they are non-negotiable qualifications. But they're also, you know, they're they're set there, not just for us to choose elders or missionaries in a proper manner, but they're also there for the care of our own souls Hmm. if we are ministers of Christ. Because Paul will say later on in First Timothy four, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. And so it's not only like if, if I'm going to submit myself as a candidate for, for being an elder or going to the mission field um, with the authority of an elder, um, you know, the men who are in charge of examining my life must do more than just ask me a few questions mm-hmm. on ordination night. They must watch my life over an extended period of time and see if I manage my own household well. So it's to ensure that the men sent to the field have the character requirements of someone who should be sent to the field. But also, even as a missionary on the field or as a minister or as a pastor, um, I also use this to guard my own life spiritually, because you know how the ministry just can really make demands. And I know I've done this. I'll be um, maybe working through a time of, of great advancement of the gospel, are great problems um, in Heart Cry or on some mission field. And then one day I kind of I'm looking and I said, you know what? I'm neglecting my family. My wife is carrying too much of the burden. Um, I'm not, you know, I've missed some family devotions. Um, I'm coming home too late. And um, this is the standard by which I can judge myself. Yeah. But it's also the standard by which uh, the elders, of my church can judge me okay. and, and you know, let's say I'm working in heart cry and I'm let's say that I'm faithful and I'm trying to spread the gospel. But my elders, they may be watching my life over a period of time and going, you know what? Paul is spending far too much time traveling and we need to cut him back because it's not that family takes precedent over the Great Commission, but it is one aspect of the will of God. Yeah that we must fulfill in order to qualify for the ministry. Now, I want to say something else that I think is really important. And um, you and I um, are kind of old school. Okay, (laughs) we're old enough to be old school. So we grew up in in churches where, you know, it was uh, sacrifice everything for the cause of Christ. But I mean, I knew men who really Mm -hmm. they didn't just say that. They just didn't talk about the glory of God. They sacrificed. But there was also sometimes a very wrong badge of honor that, you know, sacrifice your family for the sake of the ministry. Um, I've even been to some places in the world where if you didn't do that, you were considered unfaithful minister. And um, so there is a passage in the Bible that has been very, very helpful, extremely helpful for me. And it's in Romans chapter 12 and verse two, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. So the renewing of my mind, even though it can come through worshiping, it can come through fellowship in the church. We all believe that the greatest means of renewing the mind is through the study of God's word. So how do we know or prove what the will of God is? It is through a constant renewing our mind in that which is written. Mm -hmm. But but look what it says about the will of God. It is good, it's acceptable and it's perfect. So if I make a circle out of these three characteristics, whatever is outside of that circle is not the will of God. If it's not good, if it's not healthy and sound for my spiritual growth, you see, and and then if it's not acceptable now, it, not necessarily acceptable to me or acceptable to my culture, but acceptable to God, yeah. according to what he's revealed in his word. But the last word here is is wonderful, perfect, complete, uh, not lacking. And and when someone says I must um, sacrifice my marriage or sacrifice my my family for the sake of the ministry, they're actually doing the very thing Adam did. When Adam fell and God comes into the garden, who did Adam blame? (laughs) Well, we say he blamed Eve. Well, actually, he blamed God, who he said gave him Eve. Well, when we say that we're sacrificing our family for the sake of the ministry, what we're saying, we're accusing God of his will not being perfect, but being contradictory. We're saying, Um, In order to fulfill this aspect of the will of God, I must violate this aspect of the will of God. So if I'm going to be obedient in the ministry and its commands, then I have to be disobedient with regard to my family and God's commands. And and that's not true. We all know that's absurd. So
1: you say, are you able through grace to fulfill both roles?
0: Yes, we are. If our ambition is to be pleasing to the Lord, if our ambition is to be the greatest preacher on the planet Mm. or the most successful missionary on the planet or to start more churches than anybody else on the planet, then then no, it's going to be very difficult. Mm. But if our ambition is to be pleasing to the Lord. Now, here's the way I I want that. I tell young men to look at it, okay? because I I used to be one of those (laughs) a few centuries ago before a young man is married. If he wants to work 18 hours a day in the ministry and sleep six, go for it. Go for it. Why? Because all he has really are ministry commands. He is dead to the commands with regard to a wife. He's dead to the commands with regard to children because he doesn't have a wife or children. So, yes, you're free. Go ahead. Use all your time for the ministry. And of course, that's an exaggeration. There are other family Mm -hmm. responsibilities, but but he's free. But the moment he takes on a wife, there are commandments regarding a wife that he is to fulfill if he wants, if his ambition is to please God. So those commands take time. So that means some of the time has to be transferred from uh, ministry to wife care, to relationship building. Okay. so but let's say that they're like uh, Chato and I when we were first married, you know, kind of Batman and Robin there in Peru, (laughs) you know. And uh, for the first eight years, we couldn't have children. There was a sense in which both of us were, were very free because my wife was in the ministry with me. So, yeah, we did things together and, and all sorts of things, but we still had copious amounts of time for the ministry. And that was God's will. Why? We were dead to the commands that had to do with raising children. OK, okay? now, when when the first child came along, some time had to be allocated. If I'm being biblical with my wife before the child comes along and that child comes along, I can't take these hours that were given to my wife and give to the child. That's what a, that's a temptation. Mm-hmm. I must also say I need to spend time with this child. Yeah. And then if there's another child and if there's another child. But you see, we can rest in God's providence uh, here in the West. Um, and it's sickening and it's destroyed much good. It's the idea of what is a success. And people think today, well, the success is the missionary who planted so many churches or started a missionary organization or a pastor of 3000 people or a conference speaker, book, you know, author. None of that's true. I mean, none of it's true. The success is the man who does the will of God in the context of God's providence. And so. I don't have to, you know, concern myself with how many churches did I plant or how many sermons did I preach. I have to concern myself is have I been submissive to the Scriptures in in the different contexts of my life that have been ordained by God's providence. Okay. And man, you can rest in that. You can rest in that. So, so when we talk about putting. Uh, marriage first over ministry, it's really just giving them both their place yeah. within the context of God's will and our calling. Okay. Yeah. So you
1: mentioned your wife on the mission field with you uh-huh. and how y'all work together. So do you yeah. believe that a wife receives a call to missions or is her call to primarily follow the loving leadership of the husband mm-hmm. to the mission field?
0: Well, now that is a very, very important question. I won't say it's difficult, but it is very important. And it needs to be dealt with very carefully. Um, First of all, there's no problem if if the man has an earnestness or calling Mm -hmm. to the ministry and the wife has a a similar earnestness and calling to the ministry and they both go off together. So we can put that to one side. That's but let's look at what if there's some sort of a um, the man has He senses a special calling. And now we need to look at the wife. First of all, we need to understand something. Um, And I tell this to young girls all the time. I hear them being told, you know, your husband completes you, you know. And I say, well, if your husband can complete you, you're not a Christian. (laughs) And people go, what are you talking about? And, you know, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. My heart has been enlarged. My wife is a Christian. Her heart has been enlarged. Her heart has been enlarged to such a degree that I can't complete her. I I cannot complete her. There's only one who can complete her, and that is Jesus Christ. You see? And um, that I think I'm going to assume that role I have been married for many years, so I not only know from scripture, but from experience, um, there is only one who can complete my wife. Next, I am not a mediator between my wife and God. My wife is a child of God in her own right. Uh, thirdly, because of my belief, my theological belief about men and women, um, you know, sometimes it upsets me when I see men will get together and when they have a conference, you know, it's a um, conference on the Trinity or John Owen's view of Christology or the doctrine of justification or the character of God or something. Yeah. And then it seems to me like so many things that are offered to women are, mm. are non-theological. Yeah. It's like, OK, we're going to have a conference on if the world gives you lemons, learn how to make lemonade. And what you have to understand is I've always believed, well, I I have no choice. I believe that my wife is um, a child of God and she grows the same way that I grow. She grows theologically, she grows doctrinally. There is no truth that I need that she doesn't need and vice versa. And she needs, you know, the attributes of God, the knowledge of God, the will of God. She needs to grow in those things. So being married to a woman who is a Christian, being married to a woman who has grown theologically. Like I remember one time I was studying the book of Proverbs. And if I wander a bit, it's okay. The subject's important. Studying the book of Proverbs chapter 31. And I was like, this this is a superwoman, you know. And my wife was saying she came over. She says, So what are you looking at? And I said, Well, I'm looking at Proverbs 31. but I'm trying to get my mind around it. This is a superwoman. And she said, Well, let, let me get my tea and sit down. And, and I'll straighten you out on that. You know, it's like you're not understanding the passage. You know, this isn't one day in this woman's life. This is her whole life laid before us. And there's different categories in here. You know, so a, a woman needs to grow theologically so that when her husband talks to her about a call, you know, she's not just, oh, he he mm-hmm. heard something, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm sitting down with another Christian in whom I greatly trust yeah. and who I believe has a great deal of wisdom now. So if if both of them have a call, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Then let's take the other extreme. Um, We know of cases in church history where the man sensed an extraordinary call and the woman basically, uh, I mean, I don't want to exaggerate, but suffered greatly, greatly on the mission field. I have real doubts about that. Yeah, real, real doubts. Why? Because I'm telling men to deny their call, not at all. I'm saying there's some red flags there with regard to the providence of God. If in God's providence, he's had you marry a certain woman and that woman marry you and there is just this complete opposition with regard to something. I know that when when I have sometimes thought I might go in a certain direction and go to my number one, you know, go to my wife Mm -hmm. as my wife would go to me if she felt we needed to go in a different direction, you know, and when there is no compatibility Mm -hmm. in our opinions, that's a red flag for me. That is because I trust. So are you trusting in your wife? over? No, I'm trusting in God's providence who happened to give me this wife. Mm -hmm. So let's let's eliminate that because that that just shoots up a lot of red flags. But one of the things that we find is where a man senses a call to the mission field and a woman doesn't necessarily sense the call, the wife, um, or doesn't sense it um, to the same degree that say but um, then when we get to that category there's a right and wrong way of approaching it the wrong way is is um, well you just need to go it's your husband Mm -hmm. you need to go and um, I think that's uh, approaching it from a really wrong and unbiblical manner but I find in those instances when it's two mature Christians and the call seems to be genuine that the, the wife will have a sense of not that she's forced to go, not that she's dragging her heels or digging herself in not to go, but she is simply honest as a daughter of Zion, as a child before God, in that I do not sense this call as greatly as my husband. I do not deny that this call is in him. And although I do not particularly sense the call to missions, I do sense the call to be his wife Mm -hmm. and for him to be my husband. And 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 I take joy in that of this. This is my calling. This is what I want to do. Now, notice, you know, sometimes young men will come to me, especially, but also young girls, and they'll go, you know, I don't know if I'm called to do this or called to do this. And the first thing I'll always ask them is, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, well, that can't be it. And, you know, I have said this before. I've had to do some hard things. But when I was when I felt like God called me to Peru, I wanted to go to Peru. When I felt like God called me to come back and start a mission organization, I wanted to do that. And so desires are a good thing. So if if a young lady says, I want to go to the mission field. Or if she says, you know, I don't really sense that keen calling, but I do sense the calling to be the wife of this man and to work with him. Another thing that I think that um, we need to be very careful about is, um, you know, my wife, has grown a great deal theologically, uh, is a really good teacher, is really, really wise. Um, If I were to point out who's the most gullible of us, it would be me. (laughs) Um, And I depend on her a lot. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes she's asked, will you come and teach or will you come and do this? And even though I'm almost 60, I still have a four-year-old in the house (laughs) and uh, along with uh, others and uh, She always says, you know, there'll be a time for that. But like in Proverbs 31, this is my time to take care of my children. But it's what she wants to do. Mm -hmm. And as a husband, I'll always I'll always say to her, you know, we'll sit down at times and talk and I'll go. "Um, Have any wants or desires changed? I mean, should I? Is there anything I can do more with the children? Uh, to free you up? You like photography? You like this? Mm -hmm. You like that? Do you need to study more? Do you want to spend some time doing ministry? Um, You know, and so we need to check back all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, this sometimes I guess I I really find it hard, this great big battle that people fight with regard to marriage and, and leadership. I believe that I am to lead my home. Uh, And I believe I'm to do it, not like Caesar, but like Jesus. And I'm to do it primarily by my example Mm -hmm. and my teaching of the scriptures. But I I honestly can tell you, I I can't think of one major decision that I've made for my family that I made for my family, that my wife and I didn't make together. And, um, you know, it's just... I don't I, I think a, a guy told me this uh, years ago, uh, oh, it was years ago when I was just getting married and some of the best advice I, I ever received. He said, Imagine you and your wife like a, imagine a bicycle wheel with the axis in the middle and then imagine the spokes that are wide out here. And as they come toward the center, they narrow and come closer and closer mm-hmm. together. And I thought, okay, what's what's this about? And he goes, notice the spokes never touch one another. I said, no, he said, but the closer they get to the center, the closer they come to one another. And I said, yes. And he goes, that's the way it should be with your wife. You shouldn't try to be pulling your wife over to you and she shouldn't be pulling you over to her. Mm -hmm. You should both be headed towards Christ. And as both of you become more and more conformed to the image of Christ, you will come closer and closer and closer. And also, I don't want to push the illustration too far, but my wife and I never really need to like the spokes. I don't mean this physically, but like the spokes, I never have to concern myself with my wife reaching me or me reaching my wife. I only have to concern myself with with me and my wife reaching Christ. Oh, yeah. You see that? Mm-hmm. Which means um, our personalities are very, very different. Very different. <laughs> and uh, and that's OK if we're both headed towards yeah. Christ. Yeah. And uh, now, when, when I was on the mission field, here's something for young missionaries. When I was on the mission field, I saw I think in my time, I saw maybe three families that I heard of that went back to the mission field. I went back home off the mission field uh, because the wife either came close to or had a nervous breakdown. And um, when you looked at the women, you know, people people say the the awfulest things. All right. Where was their devotion? Where was their dead, You know? Well. From what I know about those three couples over the years that I saw, there was nothing wrong with the wife. She loved the Lord, um, cared about her children, cared about the work. But here's something that young missionaries need to be very careful with. In those settings where you're, you're in a country, there's your wife is homeschooling, your wife is doing all these um, things in the home. And then sometimes it may be kind of a dangerous area. So maybe someone else goes out and purchases food in the market with her and things like that. She doesn't get out. You need to take that into consideration because what happens is the, the, the man missionary, you know, he goes out every day, whether it's to fix the missionary van or to build a church building or to evangelize or to be with other mm-hmm. men doing ministry. So he's getting out of the house every day where the wife and, you know, just please don't write and say, Paul Washer believes women shouldn't be in the house or this or that. Just leave mm-hmm. that aside. The, the mere fact is the wife spending so much time taking care of her children and almost never getting out of the house, not even to minister. And you really need to take that into consideration. So now I'm talking as an old man uh, dealing with with some practical aspects of mission. You really mm-hmm. need to watch your, watch your wife and care for her and um, make sure that, that man, she's developing. One of the, one of the things, now, I don't know, so I want to be careful here, I'm an old guy. I've learned a lot from old guys, and now I am one. Um, he said, never forget, Paul. Remember this old guy telling me this. He goes, never forget. One day your wife will receive a white stone with a name written on it, and you won't know what that name is. And I said, well, "What do you mean by that?" He goes, "She's got her own relationship with the Lord apart from you, yeah. and and you need to make sure that that's developing, that she's developing uh, as a person um, in her own right. Yeah. That's very important on the mission field. Yeah. Yeah. And and the more that you're may be isolated the more you need to care for that yeah you really do it's very important yeah we have some more questions
1: uh, yeah i think that that sums it up i mean i we we hear you know from couples or men and women wanting to go mm-hmm. to the mission field that that are asking these questions so thank you for you know helping us to yeah. better understand how to approach those things
0: and you know um really the sign of your spirituality. I mean, if I were to put a place where if you want to really know who Paul Washer is, you visit me in my home. Now, hopefully you'll see a sincere person, but you'll see that it's a lot easier to preach. It's a lot easier to go through jungles and everything else than it is to be a man who lives a Christ-like life with mm. those who are closest to him. Yeah. You know, we can look so good uh, to mm. the people in the church, to even our enemies. And and yet when we have this common relationship with someone, it becomes common. Yeah. And that's very, very dangerous. Very dangerous. All right. Yeah. Anything else? I
1: think that covers it today.
0: Thank you, Brother Paul. All right. Well, I hope this has been helpful. Uh, not only to those of you who are going to the mission field or thinking about going or are there, but also pastors, evangelists, teachers, anyone who's in the ministry. And just for you guys, uh, just so we can end this note positively, <laughs> there is a real sense in which you ought to be afraid. If I entrusted you with some aspect of my business I would watch over you zealously and I would want you to do what was right. Um, But if you were my daughter's husband, I would really watch over you. That would be very important to me, more important than if you watched over my entire business. And so if you are married, you have been entrusted with God's daughter. Uh, Be very, very careful. Well, God bless you, and we'll see you next week.